Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around. If you are curious about learning more about Peace United Methodist Community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. And now, on to the Sacred Story reading. Our Sacred Scripture reading comes from the book of Luke. This one should be rather familiar on an Advent Christmas time. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place in the guest room. So we are doing a series that we're calling an Advent of Care. After a busy fall where we've dealt with a lot of heavy things and and there's been a lot happening in our world, we thought that navigating through Advent with a sense of care in mind and how to help one another and walk alongside one another, how to take good care of ourselves in this season, a season that's full of expectations, a season that's full of pressures, a season that can be overwhelming at times. And we thought that talking about ways to care well for ourselves and for others might be a good idea. And so today we're going to be talking about letting go of everyone's expectations. The letting go of everyone's expectations. Now, expectations can be good and expectations can be terrible. I don't know how many of you have ever navigated through a season where you've had some high expectations placed on you, knowing that you're not going to be able to come through. I would imagine that Josh Dobbs is feeling a little bit of that right now in the Viking season, feeling like I'm supposed to be Kirk Cousins or, you know, Pat Mahomes or Jalen Hurts, and I'm just Josh Dobbs, you know, aerospace engineer that I am playing football. Um, I would imagine that feeling the weight of everyone's expectations in a state like Minnesota, where we have failure after failure after failure, but we remain hopeful, uh, we remain vigilant that this will be our year, that those that weight of expectations could be a lot. It could be a lot for someone like Josh Dobbs. Um, it can be a lot for parents that are navigating the expectations of children. 
the, the hope of what a Christmas can bring and all the wonder of Christmas morning and the gifts that are going to be under the tree, there can be some weighty expectations when you find yourself trying to navigate that with your kids. The weighty expectations of hosting a family dinner and wanting it to go perfectly and to have your mom or your dad or to have your aunt that's crazy or whatever to be able to come in the house and say, wow, it looks lovely, as opposed to, wow, you still have those drapes, right? Like the weight of expectations of other people can be massive and it can be both exhilarating when we meet those expectations, when we arrive, when we show up, when we accomplish. It can feel so good to meet expectations, and it can be devastating when we don't. The hard thing about expectations is that they are so often not under our control. So often we don't get to decide what the expectations are, but we have to somehow navigate our way through them. We have to figure out how can I either meet this or how can I choose to be who I am and let go of this expectation because I'm not going to show up this way. I can't be this person that, that, that they need me to. I can't be the type of parent that just says yes all the time. I can't change the drapes because I like them. I can't make the dinner any better than I did because this is all I know how to do. I can't throw the football like so-and-so or I can't run as fast as this other person because this is how God made me to be. And yes, the Vikings will lose at the end of the season. I guarantee it. Um, sorry. Some of you are like, really? I'm 42 years old. It's all I've known. It's all any of you have known, right? Like, it doesn't even matter. The weight of expectations. Mary and Joseph had some expectations when they were betrothed to be married. We talked a little bit about this, about how their, their betrothal seemingly fell apart and Joseph had to decide to get up the next day and the angel told him, hey, this is okay, God is with you. It's, it's going to be different than what you expected, but don't worry, God is going to be with you. And, and so last week we focused a little bit on Joseph. And this week I want to focus on Mary and then kind of also transition us into the life of Jesus for a minute. And so Mary is this woman who is born in a family that has priestly heritage in it. Her cousin is Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is in the line of Aaron. Aaron was Moses's brother-in-law and was the original priest in the house of Israel. And so Elizabeth is in that family line. People in her family would have been priests. People in her family would have had this connection to their religious heritage. It would have been something that they would have kept with them and held on to and defended and argued for and been an advocate for. They would have been people that would have been passionate about the sacrificial system, worship at the temple or the synagogue. They would have been committed to their faith. And Mary is right in line with that. And as we talked about last week, Joseph is in the line of David. Joseph is in the line of the kingly heritage. And so you have this marriage between someone in the line of the kings and someone in the line of the priests. It's a royal wedding. And that would have carried with it an immense amount of expectations that this unity, this marriage, this coming together would have mattered in the community. And yet... Mary's found to be with child before they've been able to consummate the marriage, before they've actually come together after the betrothal time. And so it would have been scandalous. It would have been, it would have been front page news in the Jerusalem Gazette. They would have been wondering what happened and why is Joseph staying with this woman? What is going on here? 
And so all these expectations that the two of them had about how their life was going to look would have been dashed. And it would have been expectations placed on them, both within themselves, but then also by their community. You would imagine how they would have been received by others that had expectations for how their relationship was supposed to look. And we get a picture of that in the verse we just read because we know that when they go back to the hometown, nobody makes room for them. There's no room. There's no family bunking up in the guest room and the kids are off in one room and the parents are in the other. And then Mary and Joseph come knocking at the door, nine months pregnant. And the parents don't say, you know who can really go sleep with the the, the cattle? Are the kids. Like the kids don't mind bunking up with the sheep. They're, they're, They're up for it. We'll let the nine-month pregnant woman have a bed. Like, no, it doesn't happen. They get relegated to the stable. They get relegated to a place where she's going to give birth and have to put the child in a feeding trough where the animals drool and slobber and make a mess of things. I don't know if you've ever been on a farm and watched animals eat. It's not like the pretty nativity sets that we have. It's gross. This would have been a messy endeavor. It would not have been sterile like a hospital. It would have been a very messy, gross place to give birth. And that's where Mary and Joseph find themselves. They have missed all of the expectations that their community would have placed on them. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and he announces himself as the Messiah, the coming one, the one who is going to heal the sight of the blind and is going to raise the dead and is going to help the poor. And everybody's like excited about this idea of a coming Messiah because they remember their story. They remember coming out of Egypt, going through the wilderness, establishing and being established in the promised land. And then David rises up as the anointed king and fights back the Philistines and all the other teens and ites and everybody. And David establishes this mighty kingdom, a kingdom like they had never seen before. And the promise to David was that this kingdom will not end. Your line will always reign. And so there's always an expectation that a king like David is coming back, when the Savior does come, it will look like David riding in on a war horse, ready to brandish his sword and to conquer. And so when Jesus comes and is like, I'm here, I'm the one you've been waiting for, and he comes in on a donkey, and he goes to a cross, and he says you need to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, it's the last expectation that they would have had. They would not have wanted to see a Jesus who is going to save people from their bad trajectory, their sin. They would have wanted a Jesus who would have said, you need to get back into power. And we're going to figure out what that means. We're going to brandish the sword. We're going to argue for our faith. We're going to conquer everybody else. We're going to hold a a knife to their throat and say, trust me, believe me or else. They wanted power politically and spiritually. And when you think about it, if the Messiah is born to someone in the priestly class and the kingly class, this would have been the perfect person to say, I have both authority religiously and politically to tell you how it's supposed to be. And yet Jesus comes in and doesn't say, because I'm in the priestly class and because I'm in the kingly class, I have everything to say. Jesus comes in and says, you need to humble yourself and be like a servant not like an authority figure. You need to come in and subvert all of the expectations. 
And so what we see in the life of Mary and Joseph is unmet expectations of their community. What we see in the life of Jesus as the Christ is a person who's not going to meet the expectations of what his culture and society and his people would have wanted him to be. And the thing about unmet expectations is that the temptation is to compromise. The temptation of unmet expectations is that we want to compromise our actions to meet those expectations. How many of us have had expectations put on us and we know the path we should go down? We know that we want to stay true to ourselves or true to what we believe is right or the actions that we know we should, we should have. And yet, they, because of those expectations and the fact that we haven't lived up to them, we're willing to say, well, maybe it isn't that bad. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I, I should allow this to happen or maybe I should be okay with this. And we start to compromise, like a little one degree of separation. We make that little nudge, that one degree change. The thing about a one degree compromise is that over the course of time, if we're talking about a trajectory, zero degrees go straight, one degree, suddenly we're off by a lot, the further and further away we get. Because when we start to compromise who we are, we start to compromise our values, we compromise our actions, we end up becoming something that we didn't intend to be. And so the thing about Mary is that Mary never compromises. Mary stays true to the calling that she has. No matter how much she's not going to meet the expectations of those around her, she is not compromising who she is. Instead, as we're going to talk about next week, She's going to find a way to celebrate what she has. Jesus, in his life, though he knows exactly what everybody expects of him, they expect him to be the one to come in and to take over the religion. He's the one that's supposed to come in and defeat Caesar. They know and they expect him to do that. Jesus knows all about it, and yet he doesn't compromise at all. He never compromises his mission, his life, his love, his sacrifice, his forgiveness, his desire for grace to be real, even when they nail him to a cross. He says, I will not compromise who I'm supposed to be, even if they want me to, even if it would be less painful. I will not give up the path of love. I will not give up the path of grace. Because the way that we stay on course, the way that we plow through, even though we're tempted to compromise, is to be our whole selves. Christ says to us that we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We need to love ourselves enough to trust that compromise is not the way, that compromise is not the path, that who we are, showing up as our full self, showing up with the best that we can do, and that's it, is enough. To trust that we are worthy of love, trust that we are enough of what God needs us to be, and that showing up in that way as our full, whole self is enough for that moment. It might never meet the expectations of your aunt. It might never meet the expectation of your kid. It might never meet the expectation of Vikings fans, but it is enough. It's all you can be, is your whole self. Because we have to love ourselves in order to start loving other people. 
Because the moment we compromise loving ourselves, then we start to show up in a way that's not authentic. We show up in a way that's not true. We show up in a way where we're going to expect compromise out of others. And that's not healthy for them or for us. So we have to be our whole self. Mary was her whole self as the mother of Jesus. And she's remembered forever because of it. Christ endured the cross for the joy set before him, resurrected and sits at the right hand of God because Christ never compromised being his whole self. Only when we show up as love can we be good news to others. And that's the calling for us today, is how can we be good news for others? How can we be a little salt and light in a world that is often devoid of goodness? How can we be a non-anxious presence in a world that needs less anxiety, less stress, less pressure, that needs people that are a safe place, that needs people that say, you belong with me. I don't even care what you've done. I don't care who you are. You belong here because you're human and I am here to love you. How can we be that good news to people? We have to show up as love, love ourselves, love others, love God, so that we can be good news to others. So the practice of letting go of everyone's expectations, it's going to be really hard. Because disappointing people is difficult. But be you. Be fully you. That doesn't mean that we throw away all of our obligations and commitments. It doesn't mean that, well, I'm going to be me today, so sorry, kids. Good luck making peanut butter and jelly on your own, two-year-old. Like, that doesn't make any sense. We don't, we don't throw away our obligations. We don't throw away our commitments. But what we do need to do is say, you know, I can't meet this expectation. I can't show up the way you want me to. I'm going to ask for help. I'm going to say, you know, the tradition is going to change a little bit now that so-and-so is not with us. Because sometimes traditions can change. It doesn't mean that we don't love what has been, but it means that we have to be who we are and embrace the moment that we have. The Vikings offense became more of a running offense than a passing offense because we have to, you know, lean into the strengths of Josh Dobbs and not Kirk Cousins. How can we do that? I know that was really cheesy. And you're all looking at me like, really? He's going back to the Vikings thing again? Some of you are really appreciating it because you like football more than anything. But the point, that guy does, he's waving his hand. Thank you. I knew I was preaching to somebody today. But the point remains that we have to be true to ourselves so that we can live into the fullness of what God has for us because that will be good news, even if people aren't ready to see it. Jesus is the perfect example of this. People weren't ready to see what love truly looks like. They weren't willing for Jesus to sit on a cross and to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They weren't willing and ready for Jesus to turn to the thief next to him and say, today you will be with me in paradise, even though he's on a cross. They weren't ready for that. We're still not ready for that. But that's what we're called to, to be fully who God has called us to be so we can show up as love so that we can be good news to those around us. Let's pray. God of love, 
we are grateful that you meet us in the midst of all of the complications of life's expectations. All the expectations that are good and worthy of meeting, all the expectations that align with, with justice and align with grace and forgiveness, all the expectations that align with love, we are grateful that they're there and that we can show up as our full selves and meet them. But God, we also know we live in a world where there are so many expectations that we can't meet, that don't align with goodness and justice and kindness. And so God, may we be people who stay true to who you've called us to be. We stay true to our whole self. We stay true to loving ourselves and loving others and loving God and loving this world so that we can be good news. God, may we be good news in this world. Help us to do that, even when it means we have to let go of the expectations of others. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Welcome to Peace. We're so glad you're here. If you are new to our community, we are a community that is reconciling and growing for everyone. And we, when we say that, what we mean is that we want to, as in the words of Dr. Sean Moore, we want to remove barriers that get in the way of healthy relationship, healthy relationship with God, healthy relationship with one another, within ourselves and with all of creation. We want to remove those barriers so that we can live into the flourishing that God has for us. In order to do that, we need to be people that are willing to grow. That means challenging ourselves, going through hard times honestly. It means searching and wrestling with scripture. It means getting involved in each other's lives and pointing out each other's blind spots with love and, and just going about doing life together and, and being willing to grow and to see that process happen in order to bring about that flourishing and that reconciliation that we desire. And then when we say for everyone, we really mean for everyone. We want to be someone who advocates for the marginalized, the oppressed, historically uh, downtrodden, those that have not had as many advantages in our culture and society. We want to be for everyone. We want this to be a safe place where people can feel loved and honored um, and respected for who they are as a person, um, no matter who they vote for, no matter who they love, no matter what they look like. We want to be that place for everyone. As many of you know, we're in the end of our stewardship season, so if you still have a stewardship card that you need to turn in, I think Gene and I counted over 32 people have filled these out, 32 people or couples have done this, and so thank you if you've gotten this done and, and, and given us this information. It's really helpful as we plan ahead for the, the year to come. So if you still need a card, they are on the tables by the bulletin. You can grab one of those and still fill it out, or you can fill it out online. Um, you're welcome to do that. Next Sunday, we have a bake sale going on to support youth missions. And so you're going to come in and probably smell chocolate chip cookies because the youth are very strategic. Katie's leading the charge. And the idea is we're going to make this church smell like chocolate chip cookies so that when you get here, you can't help but want to be supportive because we all love chocolate chip cookies. And then coming up on the 17th, uh, before Encore, uh, we're going to be doing our family game night, which is our monthly gathering where the entire church family is welcome to come. It's potluck style, so bring a dish to share. We'll order pizza. Um, we're going to be having some Mario Kart on one of these big screens. We'll have some board games out, including Ticket to Ride. And then, and I got kind of cute here, uh, Teal because it's in teal, is going to be leading a craft project, and they're going to be making those wonderful little reindeer uh, Christmas decorations. And so join teal um, and help uh, create a little uh, decoration for Christmas. And then finally, uh, Christmas Eve services, just a reminder, because it's a little different than normal, it's on a Sunday. So we're going to have our family service at 10 a.m., and then we're still going to have our carols and candles at 9 p.m. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. 
If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Again, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. May you experience the love of God and may you have peace.